when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Now, your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Day Podcast Network. I am your host, Evan Grote, and this week we are talking playoff football. Playoffs? That's right. The Raiders are back in the dance the first time since 2016. It's been a while, but they're back. They defied the odds after losing five of six games there. Uh, including a 48-9 to drumming to the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought it was lights out for this team. I'll admit it. I started to peek at the mock drafts. I started to question who would the next head coach be. I said I was done with Derek Carr, and now we sit here four weeks later following four wins, all must-win games, and, I, and I'm still stunned. I, I really am. Um, despite what guys like myself thought, despite what... Some in the national media thought many of the fans had given up on this team. The coaches and the t- the players in the locker room, they never stopped believing in themselves, and they never lost track of the job at hand, of the goal. And you have to give them all the props in the world, all the kudos in the world, one hundred percent. They they surprised a lot of people here, and 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 you know, for guys like me and a lot of other fans out there who doubted the team, we got to eat some crow uh, this week. Uh, but I'm happy to do it. It feels good, and I'm happy to be here with you guys as well. This week, I'm going to get you some of my thoughts on the Week 18 game versus the Chargers. What a game it was. An instant classic. It was an epic game. Um, That will be a game that Raider fans talk about for years to come. I mean, that is just a classic, classic game there. Um, But also, we begin to shift our attention to the playoffs and, and, and the matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. In Segment 2... Uh, we're going to be chatting with Jay Morrison, Bengals beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, I've been reading some of the work that he's been putting out this week, and he's on top of it all with the Bengals, so I, I think you're going to really enjoy that. But like I said, I, I want to begin the show by talking about the thrilling 35-32 win, uh, overtime win. It was the Raiders' fifth overtime win on the season. They're 5-0 and in overtime games. Um, they've won a lot of close games this year. I think that's been one of the big differences between teams we've seen in, in the past is that um, teams of the past could not finish these close games. But, uh, you know, we've heard Derek Carr and other players and coaches say this team was different. And I, I doubted that. You know, I thought it was just the same old, same old that we were hearing. But they did show, especially down the stretch, that you know, winning a lot of close games, that this team was different. Uh, this team was built different. Um, but getting back to the Chargers game, you know, I'm still really at a kind of a loss of words uh, as I sit here a few days removed from from Sunday night. Uh, as a fan, it was a roller coaster ride. You know, the emotions were up and down, and you know, I, I want you guys to think about something as you're sitting there listening today uh, for a second. 
I know many of you out there, you, you know, once you saw, you know, we're all watching the scoreboard of the other games because we knew that there was a couple of things that um, had they gone in the Raiders' favor, they could have made the playoffs without even winning the game on Sunday night. Uh, you know, of course, the Jaguars upset the Colts. And then you started to think that there was a strong possibility that the Raiders could get in because the Steelers were having a heck of a time putting away the Ravens. Um, but I got to tell you, uh, and I have to be honest, I, I would have been a little disappointed to see it go down that way, to see the Raiders get into the playoffs because two other teams lost, right? That That's, you know, with all the hype that was surrounding this game, it was moved to prime time, Sunday night football, um, as Raider fans, but also as sports fans, you know, we, we would have been robbed of all of the drama that that game brought us, right? All, all the drama that that game provided for us and all the memories that that game provided us with. You know, what the, what made that game an instant classic was was about what was at stake. Yeah, there was, you know, tons of great plays made in that game, and it was... You saw some great individual performances as well. But it was all about two teams. It was all about a division rivalry battling for one playoff spot. Although, you know, we, we know there was a chance that both teams could have made it had it finished in a tie, and it, it almost did, despite many of the people saying how ridiculous that was to consider. But you get the point. So, so for me personally, I, I always wanted to see the Raiders earn it on the field. I wanted to see Allegiant Stadium rocking in a big game environment. I wanted to see how the players would respond in the in in, in the biggest moments of 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 their careers. I wanted to see those things and we saw it. They delivered the fans, Allegiant Stadium, you know, watching on TV, it looked electric from from everything I've been hearing. Uh, it was loud, the loudest they've heard it. And and you know, the fans showed up and showed out so that was good to see. We saw it from the players on the field. Max Crosby, Daniel Carlson, Derek Carr, late in the game, made some big throws. You know, we also saw what the Raiders are in store for, you know, battling against Justin Herbert for the next 10 years, I'd say, in the AFC West. But, you know, the star players rose to the occasion, and that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see how these players would respond because they haven't been in this situation very often. And, and you know, it was good to see. It was good to see. Um, is, and it's very possible that had the Steelers lost that game, we would have never had the game that we did on Sunday night. So uh, I wanted to get those thoughts out there for you. But what a game it was. Uh, Max Crosby, one of the players I talked about, um, responding in big moments. It had to be, what, top three, top five best games of his career? When you consider the uh, what was at stake, the impact that he made on that game, uh, uh, just a brilliant performance by him. Uh, you know, the stat line was impressive: two sacks, eleven pressures, six tackles, six quarterback hits, three pass deflections, and he drew uh, numerous holding penalties that you know impacted some drives for the the Chargers. He completely dominated that right tackle, Storm Norton, all night long. And, and, and that's what you need. In, 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 in big games, you need your best players 
to step up. He delivered on the brightest stage. It was great to see. And he finished the season with eight sacks, leading the NFL in pressures with 101, according to Pro Football Focus. And so it was a, a great season for Crosby. And, you know, the biggest uh, thing that he brings to the table is his leadership. As good as he is, um, in between those white lines, it's what he brings off the field and in that locker room that has been invaluable. And it's been exactly what this team needed uh, this year, especially considering all the different types of um, uh, setbacks and, and challenges they experienced and adversity they, they faced um, off the field. Josh Jacobs, I also thought, came through with a big game, and it's been a tough season for him. Uh, he's battled some injuries. He played, he played hurt in this one. He was nursing the ribs. Um, the offensive line also hasn't uh, really helped him. Um, he didn't get to the 1,000-yard mark this season like he had done in each of his first two seasons, but he saved his best performance uh, for when the team needed it the most. He, he really took over in the overtime period with 69 of his 132 yards rushing in the game, which was a career high for him. He also forced uh, 12 missed tackles, which is, was a career high as well for him. And it was the 10-yard run on third and four uh, following the timeout by Brandon Staley, uh, which you know kind of had me scratching my head. Why on earth would he want to do that? I heard his explanation as to why. But that's, that's what closed it out for the Raiders, setting up Daniel Carlson's game-winning 47-yard field goal. Now, speaking of Daniel Carlson, again, he had ice in his veins. Another walk-off game winner. He was 5-for-5 five five in field goal attempts in the game. Two for two in extra points. Uh, it's some run that this guy has been on since the Dallas game on Thanksgiving Day. He hit the game winner in that game, if you recall, 36-33. Uh, walk-off game winners in Cleveland, in Indy, a big kick um, to make it 17-13 um, against the Broncos, which kind of sealed the, the deal for him in that game. And then, of course, the walk-off this past week against the Chargers. He has been instrumental in the team success this year. Um, after Derek Carr, I would say probably Max Crosby would have to be second. I think it's I think it's fair to say, and you could make a, a really strong argument, that if you're picking team MVPs, Daniel Carlson has got to be third in line on that list. That's how good he has been for this team. And I did see that he won his fourth um, AFC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week award. Well-deserved. The guy has been worth every penny they have given him uh, on that extension. So great job there, Daniel Carlson. And then rounding out um, some of the the performances that I want to highlight here uh, in that Sunday night game, we, we have to talk about Derek Carr. Uh, you know, the stats don't jump off the box score at you. Um, we, we've seen him play better, um, but it hasn't been pretty <laughs> in this um, four-game win streak. You know, it really hasn't. And that's okay. That's okay because the team is winning. You know, he missed some throws in this game that I'm sure he would like to have back. Uh, the offense continued to struggle in the red zone. Uh, they had a, more than uh, a few opportunities to uh, convert um, touchdowns, but it didn't happen. They had to settle for field goals. As I said, Daniel Carlson was was 5 of 5 um, with, with field goals. So you like to see that. But you would also like to see this team punch in a few more touchdowns. I think, you know, in these big games – uh, they were lucky that didn't come back to haunt them. Um, but, you know, he did hand um, the defense a, a 29-14 lead with eight minutes to go in this game. And, and most times, that's enough to get it done. Um, he played well in the overtime period, especially. 
and you know he made a huge throw to Zay Jones on on third and eight. Uh, the, the two hooked up for an 11 yard gain to uh, which which moved the ball into uh, Chargers territory, moved it to the 45 yard line, and 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 so some would have liked to see maybe some more gaudy numbers from Derek Carr, but you know if your concern is winning. That's what this team is doing. They won the game, and, and that's what's important. We, you know, really, we could go on and on for hours with this game. There were so many uh, big plays and, and cr- uh, critical penalties that were called. Um, you know, one that really stands out in my mind as being being a kind of a turning point in the game was Jalen Richard on third and twenty three uh, in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, which kept that drive alive. And you know, that was that was definitely a, a big turning point in the game to that point because, you know, it was 14-10 ball game, and if the Raiders don't pick up that first down, then Jacobs doesn't have an opportunity to, to score uh, from one one yard out later in that drive uh, to give the Raiders the go-ahead uh, 17-14 lead. And so that was critical. That was very critical uh, because the Chargers did get the ball to, to begin the second half. So it could have been a very different game had the score remained 14-10, Chargers getting the ball. You never know what could happen. Momentum is a huge thing in, in, in sports, and so it could have played a, a role uh, in that in that aspect. Uh, Justin Herbert, you know, he was tremendous in the game. Um, he, he was obviously really affected by the, uh, especially in the first half of the game, um, couldn't get real comfortable back there because of the pass rush from the Raiders. Darius Phylon, he was excellent. Uh, he will be lost for the season. He did tear the uh, patella and his knee, so that's going to be a huge loss. He was really playing well here down the stretch, but the pass rush was excellent. It really did affect uh, Herbert, especially in the first half. As I said, he wasn't, you know, he was not lights out the entire 60 minutes of the game, but the final eight minutes and in the overtime period. That was as good as quarterback play as you will see. <laughs> I mean, we've all watched a lot of football in our day. It doesn't get much better than what you saw that kid do there in, in, that, in that final eight minutes. I mean, converting all those third downs and fourth downs, that, that touchdown pass that he threw, I believe it was third and 21. I mean, unbelievable play there. Um, and then again, the, the touchdown pass to Mike Williams. Go back and watch that play. Look at the window that he had to fit that ball into, and he was able to do it. Just some unbelievable throws by Herbert. Um, he's going to be a pain in the neck for the Raiders to deal with in the next, you know, 10 years. Uh, but, you know, one thing I will say about the Chargers, they better figure it out. Uh, they, they better figure it out uh, how, to, how to clean up their game. Um, the, the coach better figure it out. You know, he's, he's a very... I think he's reckless at times. You know, I don't watch a ton of Chargers football games, but I know he's developed a reputation as a, you know, uh, a gambler, and I think sometimes that can come back to to bite you. I'm not sure if that kind of philosophy is is uh, sustainable, um, but they've got a star at quarterback, and um, it, it seems like to me that they just can't get out of their own way. We talked with our guest last week, Jeff Miller. And that's one of the things he pointed out is that in games where they struggle, it's always about self-inflicted wounds, if you recall uh, him saying that. It's often penalties or turnovers or drop passes. Just uh, they beat themselves. And I think we saw that. I think we saw that clearly um, on, on, on Sunday night. Um, so you, you don't want to waste a talent like Herbert. They got to get it figured out. Uh, So there's my rundown um, from the Week 18 win. I'm going to quickly step aside here. uh, And when I return, we're going to talk playoff football and the rematch 
with the Cincinnati Bengals. Also, Jay Morrison of The Athletic is going to hop on with me. Lots to still do here. You don't want to miss it. Coming right back here on Just Pod Baby Playoff Edition, brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And thank you, Mr. Announcer Guy. You heard him. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Coming at you a little earlier uh, in the week than normal. Wanted to make sure I got something out to you a day earlier with the game uh, being played on a short week here on Saturday afternoon in Cincinnati. And I was checking out the forecast for Saturday. Uh, it's going to be chilly. Looks like mid-20s around kickoff. Light winds. Nothing major that it should uh, affect the game. Small chance of snow. Uh, so if you are planning on going out to the game, dress warm. Get those long thermal underwear out. You're going to need them. Dress in some layers. Uh, going to be really chilly once the sun goes down. Uh, let's start now and take a look at the matchup. Uh, these two teams met not too long ago in Week 11, and the Bengals did win that game 32-13. The final score, though, was not a true indicator of how closely contested this game was. Uh, keep in mind, it was a 16-13 game late into the fourth quarter. Uh, it, it was 5:03 on the clock when Jamar Chase scored a touchdown to go ahead. 22 uh, 13 so so uh, don't be mistaken I you know I, I expect this to be a close game uh, Vegas has the line set right now at six points uh, in favor uh, of the Bengals it opened uh, as the Bengals as a six and a half point favorite so the Raiders not getting a whole lot of respect right now as one of the hotter teams in the NFL I mean on a four game win streak I believe that is the longest win streak right now uh, in the league so uh, not getting a whole lot of respect uh, but, you know, the big difference um, with this Bengals team right now, at least offensively since that time in Week 11, is I think they're relying more so on Joe Burrow. Now, he only threw the ball 21 times in the first meeting. He was 20 of 29 uh, for under 200 yards, so they weren't really um, putting as much uh, on his shoulders, at least not in that game anyhow. Um, he was leading the league in interceptions at that time as well. So, uh, But he's been on fire in the last two games. He did not play in Week 18. They they rested him because they had already clinched the playoffs. But he's been on an absolute tear the last two games. 971 yards passing with eight touchdowns and, more importantly, zero interceptions. So he's taken care of the ball as of late. Um, now, uh, one of the things that I want to speak up to with our guest Jay Morrison when he comes on with us is, you know, what does he expect the game plan to be offensively for the Bengals? In Week 11, uh, the Bengals leaned heavily on Joe Mixon, and he had a big game, 123 yards, two touchdowns. You know, will they look to duplicate that plan, or are they going to continue to try to ride out the, the hot um, play of Joe Burrow. So that is one of the things I plan to ask Jay. Um, and we all know about Jamar Chase. Uh, we all know how how electrifying he is. He's got big playability every time he touches the, the field. But T. Higgins, um, he I tweeted this out today. T. Higgins um, is a guy that you, you're going to want to make sure you know, you're keeping an eye on. 
he has been just as good uh, in the last seven games for the Bengals. In fact, he has 645 yards receiving to Jamar Chase's 588. And and keep in mind, that includes Chase having a 266 yards receiving game uh, against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. So don't sleep on Higgins. He's a great weapon uh, for the Bengals. You combine Chase and Higgins with Tyler Boyd in the slot and Joe Mixon on the ground, and this offense can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So the defense is going to need to come up big again this week um, and, and, and you know if they want to help this team win this game. Now, I like the matchup. One of the things I think the Raiders have going uh, in their favor is their front four versus the offensive line of the Bengals. Now, the injury to Darius, Darius Phylon um, is huge. I mean, he was playing really well as of late, um, but they, the Raiders have shown throughout the year that they have enough depth along the offensive line. It's one of the areas that they really showed a lot of improvement on uh, this season. They went out and made some some key signings and, and guys like Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas. Uh, they, they've been you know big time for this defensive line. I won't be shocked to see Cleveland Farrell get an uptick in his, his snaps, him kicking inside. So I, I, th- I do think there's enough depth along the the front four to uh, you know still make an impact. Um, the run defense for the Raiders um, is also something I want to mention real quick. They have been really good since the Cleveland game. Um, they held Cleveland to under 100 yards rushing. Um, they held Denver to I believe it was 13 yards rushing. And and although they did give up 100 yards to the Colts, um, that's that kind of is a victory to, to get, I think it was 108 yards to Jonathan Taylor. So that's, that's actually pretty good considering how good he was this year. But, you know, they, they have played much better against the run. Um, and, and I think that if they can, you know, continue to do so, continue to, to be tough against the run and, and slow down Joe Mixon, um, especially if weather is an issue, you know, they can put the Bengals in some tough down and distances and, and um, some obvious throwing situations, and then they allow that defensive line to just kind of go to work. And, and that could make for a long day for that Bengals offensive line. Um, and on the flip side, the Raiders' offense, the run game, has really come alive. I mean, Josh Jacobs, after a rough start to the season, um, dealing with some injuries and the offensive line not playing so well, um, you know, he, he's had two 100-yard games in the last three. So, again, should weather be a factor, it's going to be critical that Las Vegas can can – you know, move the ball on the ground. But now it's time to go out to the phone line and say hello to our guest this week to help us preview the wild card matchup between Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joining us this evening from the Athletic, Bengals beat writer Jay Morrison. Thanks for squeezing us in tonight, Jay, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. Yeah, thanks for having me, Evan. No problem. Uh, you know, Jay, it's, it's going to be a rematch this week between these two teams. They met earlier in the season, week 11. Uh, the Bengals won that game 32-13. They pulled away late in that game. The score was a lot closer. Uh, the game was much closer than the score indicated, but it's a playoff game this week. The stakes are much higher. And the Raiders, they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now, winning four straight games uh, to get into the playoffs. It seems like they got a little bit of karma on their side as well right now. But I want to first start with the drought. I was actually reading... Uh, a piece that you put up on the athletic. It's been 31 years since the Bengals' last playoff win, which came in 1991. Uh, that is the longest active streak in all the four major professional sports. And I know it was a long time ago, and many of the current Bengal players weren't even alive at that time. But do you get the sense that they are aware of the drought and feel some added pressure to to be the team that finally ends it? 
Oh, they're aware. Everybody in the media makes sure they're aware. <laughs> We've been asking <laughs> them about it all week. And the, the answer's been the same. You know, they, they, it, they don't feel the weight of it. It, it was so long ago. Even, even the last five playoff losses in that five years in a row when they lost in the first round from 2011 to 2015, I mean, tight end C.J. Uzama was a rookie on that 2015 team. And the only other guys on the team that were around were the punter and the long snapper for those games. It's just – it's a, it's a new coaching staff. It's a new team. It's, it's a young team. Uh, Joe Burrow admitted that he was aware of the drought because he's from Ohio and he has friends that were Bengal fans growing up. But most of these guys have no idea or had no idea until we brought it up this week. So they are not burdened by it at all. If, if this turns into another type of they, situation where they get there every year and they lose in the first round every year, then yeah, maybe it starts to weigh on them a little bit. But I think the only thing here is is they support or they 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 appreciate the support from the fans so much because it was a slow go. They were six twenty five and one. The crowds weren't great early in the year, and if they were good, it was because there was a lot of visiting fans there. And it's really turned around. The Baltimore game, the Kansas City games, are really electric atmospheres, and I think they appreciate that and they know how much this would mean to the city. So I, I think they want it for the fans as much as they do for themselves, but they don't feel the pressure that comes with that long drought that goes back to 1991. Now, now Jay, in the first meeting, uh, Joe Mixon was a big factor in that game, rushing for 123 yards. He had two touchdowns. Do you expect offensive coordinator Brian Callahan and, and Zach Taylor to try and replicate that game plan from earlier in the season when these two teams met, or do you think they could look to ride the hot hand of Joe Burrow who's been on a tear uh, his last two games passing for 971 yards and eight touchdowns? Yeah, it's a great question because the weather is going to be the big equalizer here. It's, there's a chance of snow. It's going to be in the mid-20s. That's, run the, that's AFC North run the football type of weather. But that's not the team that the Bengals are right now. That's, that, that was, they were in a totally different situation when they went out to Vegas in November. They had lost two in a row. They had their bye week, and they go on the road to Vegas knowing – that there's a chance that this season could really spiral out of control if they lost that game. And they went in with a very conservative game plan to ride Joe Mixon with the belief that, yeah, maybe it's not going to be there early, but we're going to trust our defense to keep this close, and we're just going to keep pounding Joe Mixon. Eventually the dam's going to break, and it did. 32-13, to 13, but anybody who watched that game knows it was, it was way closer than that game. It was 16-13. to 13, I think early in the fourth quarter, and then that's when it really kind of snowballed for the Bengals and they, they took off. I, I think we've seen this ever since the San Francisco game when they tried a little bit more of that conservative approach and they finally, they got in a big hole and they just said, let's let Joe Burrow go in the fourth quarter. And he leads them this amazing comeback and they get into overtime and, and they lost in overtime, but that was kind of a, an eye-opening moment for, for Zach Taylor and this team because he admitted he lost sleep that night when they got down in the red zone in overtime. They ran it with Mixon first and second down, didn't go anywhere. Burrow gets sacked on third. They kick a field goal. The 49ers answer with a, with a touchdown and win the game. And since then, it's been, let's let Joe Burrow cook. They've just put the ball in his hands and say, he's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're going to go wherever we're going to go. Let's just let him drop back and slice up defenses. And, so I, I think that that if you take the weather out of it, that would be the way they would go. But you just when it's that cold, you wonder how effective 
the passing game is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And now when you look at the matchup between um, the Bengals' offensive line and, and the Raiders' front four, they have been really generating a lot of pressure as of late. Uh, of course, they have Max Crosby and, and Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edges. How concerned are you uh, with the matchup uh, given Joe Burrow was sacked at league high 51 times this year? Yeah, I mean, the Bengals have given up multiple sacks in 10 straight games. That's that's the longest streak in the league. They've given up three or more in five straight games. It's just, it's been an ongoing issue all year. They've, it, it, their mindset has been more overcoming the sacks than preventing them and and not letting them get, you know, build too much in one game. The Chargers got to them for six. That was a season high. If the, if the Raiders get there at home that many times, it's, it's going to be a different kind of game. But Joe Burrow is so good in the pocket at feeling the pressure and moving, sliding, avoiding it. And then he almost, they almost dare teams to blitz him. And I know the Raiders don't blitz a lot, but he is, he is so good at kind of recognizing the rush angle. And he almost invites free runners on a blitz. And he'll make a miss. And they are, they've made so many of the big plays they've made have been off-script plays just because of that, where the pressure comes. The receivers kind of do the jailbreak routes. Burrow rolls out, finds someone down the field. So I, I have no doubt the Raiders are going to put pressure on Joe Burrow. The question is, can they get home? Can they actually get him on the ground? And I think uh, most casual NFL fans, they're, they're well aware of, of star rookie wide receiver Jamar Chase for the Bengals. But I want to ask you about one of Burrow's other wideouts, T. Higgins. I mean, I was looking at the numbers Higgins has really emerged since, uh, really since the first meeting. He had a quiet game the first time they played. I think it was twelve or three catches for twelve yards. But since that time, he actually has more yards receiving than Chase in the, in the final seven games of the season. So, what can you tell us about how that chemistry with Burrow and Higgins has developed through the the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, it was really it, it was there last year when when they were both rookies and it, they they just they hit on everything but the deep balls, and then this year. Higgins had a shoulder injury early in the year and he admitted that he only missed two games but when he came back he was still concerned about it and thinking about it and for a guy that his specialty is going up and high pointing the ball that's not a good thing to have because you're, you're going to go down hard you're, you're going to get hit and he two things happened he, he finally got more comfortable and, and felt healthy and put the injury behind him and teams started throwing everything at Jamar Chase and that just opened things up for T even more the, the question now becomes um, what's up with T Higgins foot because he was listed as limited on the injury report today and he was he looked fine um, during the portion of practice that was open to the media so something must have happened after the media were ushered out it's going to be something really worth monitoring as as we get closer to game day because he is a, as you say, he is a huge part of that offense, and and kind of having not just the the double threat, but the triple threat because Tyler Boyd has been terrific in the slot as well. Um, they need all of those weapons out there to if they're going to beat this team and kind of slow down that pass rush. We're chatting with Jay Morrison, Bengals beat writer for the Athletic, as we gear up for the wild card round matchup with the Raiders and the Bengals. Let, let, let's uh, jump over to the defense now for the Bengals. I, I talked about the Raiders' pass rush, but the Bengals, they can really get after the quarterback themselves. 42 sacks on the year as a unit, and they are led by Trey Hendrickson. They gave him a lot of money in the offseason. He's been worth every penny with 14 sacks on the season, three forced fumbles to go along with that. What type of impact do you expect to see from him on Saturday? 
Yeah, more of the same because that's kind of who he's been. Those 14 sacks, it's not like he's had big games and then droughts. He, he had he had a stretch where he went 11 straight games with at least a half sack. It was just every game you could almost count on him to get home at least once. And Sam Hubbard on the other side has seven and a half sacks. He's been really strong too. So they they have been really good. The, the thing about those guys that is, is really impressive is they're so good against the run at setting the edge. Everybody looks at them as these elite pass rushers, which they are, but but they really do it all. So because they can do it all, they are those kind. They're not just third down pass rushers. They're on the field all three downs, and so they can impact the game in multiple ways. And then they they, they sign Larry Ogunjobi in free agency, and he kind of gave them the that three technique, that push up the middle that they had been missing. Um, they've they've pressured teams a lot this year from up the middle. So if, if if the pressure comes up the middle and the quarterback tries to escape outside, then Hubbard or Hendrickson can take him down, and vice versa. If the edges get there. The quarterback tries to step up in the pocket. There's someone there to take him down. It's, it's, it's been one of the strengths. Maybe outside of the wide receiver core and Joe Burrow, it, it may be the biggest strength on the team, that defensive line. Jay, could you talk to us a little bit about the secondary? I, I see they, you know, if, if you're going to beat the Bengals, it's, it's going to be through the air. The, the run defense, as you just mentioned, is, is very strong, one of the top five in the NFL, I believe. And I see the the pass defense, they're allowing either 25 completions a game. That's 30th in the league, 26th in yards allowed. So what what is the issue? Because they have such a good pass rush, what, what is the issue with the, with the pass defense? Well, some of it is they they have had some games, uh, both Baltimore games, the second Pittsburgh game, even the first Pittsburgh game. They only won by 14, but it was Pittsburgh just through, through, through. So the the volume was there, but it's not been an an awful pass defense. They they do a decent job early on. All three starting corners were new this year, so there were some communication issues, and there were, there were some explosive plays they got they got hit on, but. They've, they've gotten that taken together, and they, they really do a good job of, of, number one, tackling on the edge, and, and number two, just keeping everything in front of them and, and not getting beat over the top. And teams have been able to exploit the middle of the field against them. That's where a lot of those passing yards come. For years, this team has struggled with tight ends and with pass-catching running backs. And they, they made an effort last year. They drafted three of their seven draft picks were linebackers. Um, they, they, they made an effort to improve that area, but it's still a work in progress. So it, it, it opens things up for a Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro coming out of the slot. So it's a really work the middle of the field against this defense. Yeah, and you know Darren Waller. I was I was just going to mention. Uh, you talk about issues with tight ends. He did have 116 yards receiving uh, in that first game. Obviously, he's missed some time here. He did return to the lineup last week for the Raiders, but I think that'll be a big uh, matchup to keep an eye on. Last one I have for you, uh, Jay. Um, could be a difficult question, but keys to the game. What's like one thing that you think the Bengals have to do well in order to win this game on Saturday? I mean, it's cliche, but take care of the ball. They've they've gone four straight games without a single turnover. Um, that that ties their franchise record for for the longest time this year. They were down in the twenties in turnover margin because number one, Burrow was leading the league in interceptions. He's gone four straight games without throwing an interception, and and they weren't turning over teams defensively. But that's got a lot better really since it all kind of started that game in Vegas. They coming off the bye, they they got a couple turnovers against the Raiders, and we've seen 
we've seen this defense start to get more opportunistic and and getting um, interceptions, a couple fumble recoveries. If if the Bengals can number one just play with have not have any turnovers, have a zero on that, I think they'll be fine. Even if they do have a Burrow interception or two, as long as the the defense can get a couple back the other way, I really think that's going to be the big difference. And then it comes down also to to Joe Mixon and the Bengals offense finding ways to attack the Raiders because I just I it, another thing that sounds cliche a dome team coming west coming off of a marathon 70 minute game on Sunday night and then having to turn around and play the first game of wild card weekend it's, the, the Raiders are at a huge disadvantage in so many ways here and it just feels like if the if the Bengals offense can click early on and, and kind of get a lead and play from ahead I think that'll be the key to them riding this out and winning the game. And you got a, a, a prediction? Have you made your prediction on the game yet? Uh, I have not, but um, I'll go ahead right now and give you one. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I, I've talked about this game so much all week. Where we do our podcast Thursday morning, I was going to do my prediction then, but uh, I, I'm going to say it's going to be lower scoring than people think because of the weather. But I, I'm going to go 23-17 Bengals. All right, so there you heard it from Jay Morrison. 23-17. That's the way he sees this one playing out. Uh, this Saturday in Cincinnati. Jay, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate you jumping on with us and giving us the scoop on the Bengals. Enjoy the game and stay warm out there on Saturday. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, so that was Jay Morrison. He gave us the lowdown on the Cincinnati Bengals. A couple of things I want to point out. He mentioned the the T. Higgins injury. Okay, that that's big. That's big. Um, listed on the report with an ankle or a foot. So definitely want to monitor that. Uh, later into the week, Thursday, Friday, and and see what his status is going to be for the game. He's a big weapon for them. I told you, talked about how he has led that team in receiving the last seven games. Um, and one other interesting point that he pointed out was, you know, maybe the Bengals taking more of a conservative approach um, against the Raiders early in the season. So it seems like they've they've taken the training wheels off, so to speak, Joe Burrow, and they're in and, and it feels like they're gonna they're gonna ride and die with him uh, against the Raiders, pending the weather. Um, you know, getting a little bit windy if there's snow or you know that can that can uh, you know that can impact the game, especially when you're trying to throw the ball. So um, I do start to get the feeling that maybe uh, we could see the, the 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 Bengals look to air it out a little bit more against the Raiders, especially when the Raiders' run defense is playing so well as of late. But that is going to do it for this week. I hope everyone out there enjoyed the show this week. I hope we got you all pumped up for the big game, the Raiders' first playoff game since 2016. I know I'm really looking forward to it. I hope everyone out there has a great weekend. And you can expect to hear from me again next week. We'll have a new show for you, win or lose. It'll either be a divisional round playoff game preview or we'll be wrapping up what was the 2021 Las Vegas Raiders season. Until then, everyone, I am your host, Evan Grote. Have a great weekend, and as always, just win, baby.